1: Even podcasts, whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Congratulations
3: on getting through your nine to five. Thank you so much for listening. It is The Drive on 610 Sports Radio, 610sports.com, and the Odyssey app. I want to finish our conversation about Justin Ross. This was Andy Reid. So Justin Ross is off suspension. He can play this week for the Kansas City Chiefs. Here's Andy Reid when he was asked about what his is what is his plan to ease Ross back into the offense.
4: Yeah, we'll just see kind of where he's at. You know, it's um, physically, and it's hard to be gone that long and just kind of jump right back in. So uh, we'll just have to see where, where he's at.
3: This is where I am. I just want to be clear about it before we move forward when it comes to the wide receiver room. We all have had our complaints about the Chiefs wide receiver room and the lack of talent that maybe is there. This Chiefs wide receiver room isn't enough for the seventh and eighth person to have a role. I mean, in last week's game, they threw the ball to six different wide receivers. Rasheed Rice, which is an obvious one to me, Rasheed Rice got 10 targets in the game. He got 10. He should. He got 10. Travis Kelsey got 10. So 20 of Patrick Mahomes' 43 passes went to Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice. That's how it should be. If he is dropping back to pass, he should be throwing to those individuals. So, Rob, that's 20. He threw 43 passes. That means more than half of his passes went to Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Kadarius Toney, MVS, Justin Watson, Jarek McKinnon, Richie James, and Sky Moore. They threw it to six different receivers in the game. Six. You could add up the yards from the other five. Rice still got more yards than they got. So I understand we are all trying to find solutions and how we want to get this offense going, and I'm here with you on how to get this going. I will just continue to maintain it is not let's figure out a way to throw Justin Ross into this mix. And then when McCole Hardman gets back, we're talking about we got to figure out eight guys, the rotation. This team ain't good enough where their seventh wide receiver is that good. Hell, I don't know if their second wide receiver is that good. Let's really try to narrow in on the four that they really like and trust. And let's take away these opportunities for some of these other guys and let's try to give those opportunities to the guys that we think can make plays down the stretch. Let's take away these four targets from MVS where he got two catches for 22 yards. Let's take away those four opportunities and give them to someone that you think has a higher ceiling than what MVS is. We know what his floor is. He dropped the ball on the floor. I mean... Am I, am I am I crazy in thinking this when it comes to it? If you're going to ride with Justin Watts or Justin Ross down the stretch, I'm perfectly fine. Well, that means you can't have you can't try to do 50% of MVS and 50% of Justin Ross. Either get 100% of one of them and 0 and make a decision about which one you're moving forward with. And if that person is Justin Ross, I'm here for you. I'm curious what Justin Ross can do with those four targets or five targets. But I'm here telling you that we have seen enough of this season with the Kansas City Chiefs that one target to Justin Ross is not changing how we feel about this offense or one gadget play with McCole Hardman when he gets back. No, if we're going to talk about accountability, it's time to start cutting some dead weight. Richie James, he ain't got 50 yards receiving this year. Maybe it's time for him to be phased out of the offense. When you think about it, they haven't really phased anybody out of the offense. Through all the inconsistency, through all the drops, no one has really been putting time out. We say about Justin Watson, but Justin Watson might have nine targets in this next game. You don't know on a week-by-week basis. So that's where I am with Ross. If he's coming back, cool. But this trying to make it work with wide receiver six and wide receiver seven, it's just not working. It's not working at all. And they are just keep just moving pieces around the board. No. Find the four that you really like, and let's go. I don't care what the combination is. We know one of them. One of them is Rasheed Rice. Over the next four months or four weeks, I really want them to figure out who are the three that they really like, Rasheed Rashid Rice, and let's go. And let's go. And let's carry this thing. We got our four wide receivers. We got our two tight ends. We got our running backs and this is the group, and we're not wasting five targets anymore for wide receivers six through eight. That that part is done. We're phasing that out of our offense. That's that's the change that I want to see from them
5: over the course of the next month. And you don't think Justin Ross targets do that? Not not doing it half-ass.
3: Not if you're going to give them one, because we know what they do. He'll get one target, and we'll be like, hey, why don't they give him the ball more? Well, yeah, because you threw it two times to Richie James, and you gave MVS five deep balls, then he caught one of them. Why don't we give all of those targets to Justin
5: Ross and have him on the field for 50 snaps and see what happens? I'm curious if we've talked about the problem being resolved. We mentioned it, I believe, in the Packers game or after the Eagles game, they have begun to tighten up their rotation, but they are entering a time where their rotation is going to widen again. I'm curious if Andy Reid stays tight with it or gets loose again, because Justin Ross is coming off this week, and I know Andy Reid is going to ease him back in, but everyone loves Justin Ross, apparently. McCall Hardman could be back at some point this regular season. They can designate him for a turn and have 21 days start practicing. He was tweeting like he's going to be back this regular season. If the Chiefs get Hardman and Ross back before the playoffs, are they going to stay vigilant? Hey, tight rotation. Sorry you guys lost your job due to injury or off the field situations, but we got to ride with these four. Or do they try to experiment and tinker and toy with wide receivers six and seven again? Because if they're tinkering and toying with wide receivers six and seven again in the postseason, I think more people will have to join my bandwagon of this is not a Super Bowl winning team if they're trying to get touches for wide receiver nine. Text
3: line 913-586-7610. CDOT, I think they're already starting to phase out Sky Moore. I mean, he was on the field for 35% of the snaps. MVS was on the field for 35% of the snaps. Now, Rasheed Rice was on the field for... 84% Kelsey was on the field for a lot of it. Outside of that, it was the same mix and match. I'm saying is these 22 snaps that we're giving to Sky Moore and now we're giving to MVS, I'd rather give those 42 snaps to one other person. And let's ride this season with Rasheed Rice, Justin Watson, and if you want to go Richie James and Justin Ross, cool. I'm perfectly fine with that. But we had yet another game of MVS. He's out there for 20 snaps. You throw it to him a couple times, and nothing positive happens from throwing it to I can't remember the last big play that Marquez Valdez-Scantling made for the team. I'm serious. It was the Chargers game. He had five catches for 84 yards. It was the last game that I would say that he made an impact. Other than that, it's been 22 yards, 25 yards. He had one game. He had the game against the Raiders, he had negative one yard receiving. How do you have negative one yards receiving? Against the Eagles, he didn't have a catch. I'm just phasing them out to me is you not playing anymore. Not you playing a little bit less. No, phased out is you're in timeout. You're in the corner. That's the old Eric Bieniemy way. That's what he did to NVS. You ain't playing this week, son. You need to get the young guys ready and get them knowledgeable with the playbook. That's how I would handle it. Let's get to the hits, man.
2: While you're stuck in traffic on your drive home, the drive gets you caught up on the biggest sports stories in Kansas City and around the country. It's the hits only on the drive. Number one.
5: Well, Kerington, is always, hipster brought to you by Underlaw Injury Lawyer. Visit GetJim.com. Well, the top story of the day in Kansas City today is very simple. It's a lot like last week when Andy, we met with the media earlier today. He said, hey, one guy still isn't practicing, Isaiah Pacheco. He was asked, hey, what does the offense and run game look like if Isaiah can't go?
0: Yeah, well, that's a tough question because um, no matter how I answer
4: it, it makes somebody not look good. So uh, we love Pacheco and we love his energy, Um, but at the same time, Clyde uh,
0: and McKinnon, I thought, did a a tremendous job in there. So um, I
4: don't want to slight any of them because they're playing well and they all bring energy in their own way.
5: Carrington, I don't want to be cause for concern or cause for alarm guy because the Patriots absolutely stink. They are abject failures. However, are we sure this offense can get big explosive plays this Sunday despite the badness of the Patriots? They are potentially without running back one yet again. I mean, we just talked about it a little bit, so we don't have to continue
3: to talk about it. But when it comes to the other offensive pieces for the Kansas City Chiefs, In this game, they probably need one of them to step up. Let's say that Belichick does some Belichick stuff here, right? Let's say that Belichick takes Rasheed Rice out of the game and Rasheed Rice has four catches for 45 yards. Or let's say that he does a really good job against Travis Kelsey, where Travis Kelsey doesn't have a normal, typical Travis Kelsey kind of day, right? That's not outside the realm of possibility. Can they get one of their offensive pieces to make a play? Last week, Clyde Everett-Alaire had 58 yards from scrimmage. Kadarius Toney had 41 yards from scrimmage. Jarek McKinnon had 37. MVS had 22. Justin Watson had 18. I still have absolutely no clue how Noah Gray didn't get a pass or a ball thrown his way. Like, Noah Gray is one of their best pass-catching options. There should not be a game plan that does not include them trying to get the ball to Noah Gray on a third down. It just It shouldn't. It shouldn't be part of the game plan. They just need one person to step up. I don't care who it is. I think you know what you got with Rasheed Rice. I think you know what you got with Travis Kelsey. Can Clyde Everton-Lair run for 75 yards in this game? Can Jarek McKinnon, they said that they were saving Jarek McKinnon for the second half of the season it's now the second half of the season we got a month left and you're just one game up in the division now's the time to unlock jarek mckinnon you have to win out if you were trying to get the one seed in the afc now should be jarek mckinnon time can he be that guy he had a great second half of the season last year a great december are you going to be able to get the most out of kadarius tony sky moore mvs you guys know the names You just need one other consistent offensive piece for them if you're not going to have Isaiah Pacheco. Because if you had Pacheco, so you got your three, then I would say anybody else is an X factor. But it's really hard to beat teams in the National Football League if you only got two consistent contributors.
5: Two. Two. Kennington, I've been doom and gloom all week. I've been the Grinch. I've been Mr. Ball Humbug. So you know what? Hit number two is going to be about the positives because much we've talked about the stinky wide receiver core, the drops lining up offsides, this, that, and the other from the Bills game, we have not talked about some actual positives that we saw on the football field. Wanye Morris played well at left tackle. Chamari Connor, the rookie, had a pick in that hybrid position the Chiefs love to have on their defense. And Rasheed Rice stepped up yet again. Carrington, how nice to see that in December we're talking about actual contributions from the Chiefs rookie class.
3: You know what? You can fade the music for this. Let's talk about this a little bit more. Because I haven't heard too many people talk about this. And you know what? Maybe this is on me. The biggest positive from Sunday's game against the Buffalo Bills was the development of the draft class. We already know about Rasheed Rice. We don't got to talk about him anymore. We've been talking about the wide receivers enough. Your third-round pick was Wanya Morris, left tackle. Played really, really well. He played well enough. We had Pete Sweeney on the show yesterday, and Pete thinks that there is a possibility that Wanya Morris starts the rest of the season, even if Donovan Smith comes back. Let's say Donovan Smith is ready for the New Year's Eve game against the Cincinnati Bengals, and he's there. He thinks that Wanya Morris could still be the starter. You absolutely would take your starting left tackle as a third-round pick. That's a win. That's a really good job by your staff to go out and find that guy and get him to the point where, as a rookie, he can start for a playoff team. A-plus job by Brett Veach and his staff. Chamari Connor, defensive back out of Virginia Tech. This was a pick that when they made the pick, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's going to work. I mean, they have had a lot of success with players that have his same skill set, can play some safety, can play some corner, can play outside, can play inside, can blitz if you need to. He had a big interception in the game on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills. Three of their first four picks made a significant impact on the game whether it was Rasheed Rice, whether it was Wanya Morris as a starter, or Connor, who stepped in really nicely for Brian Cook, who's out with an injury right now. This is exactly what you need to do if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. We talked a lot about this offseason, how the board was sort of yours. You could go in a lot of different directions, that there wasn't one specific position that you needed to go to to find anybody. You got a very productive wide receiver, one of the better rookie wide receivers in the league this year in the second round. You got a starting offensive lineman again via the draft. You have done as well at that as anybody in the National Football League, and you've got a very good rotational safety in Connor that you were really hopeful and optimistic about how he can continue to grow on this defense. Their draft class was the highlight and is the story for on the field from the Chiefs on Sunday against Buffalo.
2: Three.
3: Can we actually make this hit number three? Someone on the Texan line said, CDOT, are you ready to use the B word with Felix? I'm not ready to use the B word with Felix. This is why. I think we knew that this year it was going to be a redshirt year. So I'm willing to trust the process when it came to Felix. I would say that he was a little bit of a luxury pick because they didn't have to what a lot of people thought was a glaring need. So they could go either wide receiver in round one or they could go defensive lineman. They obviously chose to get the defensive lineman. I don't know if you're coming in at 21 years old and really being a key contributor in the National Football League. We're talking about a grown man league. You're going up against grown men on the other side who got grown man strength. I don't know if you're stepping in at 21 and really being able to help and really being a day one contributor for the Chiefs. I am a little bit surprised that he's not even part of the rotation on this team. Like, if you want one place that is a little bit disappointing, he can't even see the field right now with the Kansas City Chiefs. He has played 40 offensive snaps or uh, defensive snaps since week five, 40. He is not on the field. He is not par- at all. And for a first-round pick, you would like to get a little bit more contribution than what you're currently getting from your first-round pick. You would like a little bit more. I mean, he hasn't played that much more than Malik Herring this year. Like, he hasn't played much more than he's played this year. I'm willing to let it go. I don't think it's a big deal. I'm not going to make too much of a fuss about it because of his age and his development. Now, this offseason and next training camp – we can have some conversations about Felix, and he should be a starter now in year two. Your red shirt year means I'll give you that red shirt. But that next year, you need to be a starting caliber player or certainly part of the rotation for the
5: Chiefs. Four. Four. Well, Carrington on a Thursday, we begin to pivot to the actual opponent. And despite the fact the opponent is terrible, the Chiefs do in fact play the Patriots on Sunday at noon, who the Patriots have probably the worst, if not the worst, skill position players in all of the National Football League. You looked it up earlier. It's not rocket science how Bill Belichick and co ended up with such a terrible team. Just look at their skill position players and draft picks.
3: I'm going to read to you guys the wide receivers that they've drafted. Kashaun Booty from LSU, Demario Douglas, Tyquan Thornton, Trey Nixon, Nikhil Harry, Braxton Berrios, and Malcolm Mitchell. Those are the wide receivers that the Patriots have gotten in their last five drafts. It's not that hard to figure out why the Patriots are so bad. You drafted an incredibly average quarterback and you have surrounded that incredibly average quarterback with incredibly bad parts. That ain't a good combination. It's in fact, the opposite of what the chiefs did. The chiefs drafted an incredible quarterback. And in his first year, they gave him Travis Kelsey, Tyree kill and Sammy Watkins. You got a chance to do some things, you know, and he had Kareem hunt as his running back. You got a chance to really put up a lot of points if you're going to put that player in that environment to grow. I don't know how you expect Mac Jones to grow when you haven't given him good parts to go out there and win with. Another thing, I'm giving Brett Veach a lot of credit in this segment. I feel kind of uneasy about it. I don't think we give Brett Veach enough credit for knowing exactly when to get out with Juju Smith-Schuster. Rob, who sings that song, Know When to Hold Him, Know When to Fold Him? Who's that, Kenny Rogers? Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers. Well, we got to start calling him Brett Rogers because he knew exactly when to get out with Juju Smith-Schuster. You remember, I like Juju. I was one of the main ones screaming, go get him, go get him, go get him. If there was anybody that knew his health and knew that it was near the end, it was the Kansas City Chiefs. They pursued Juju Smith-Schuster, something heavy for two years. They then got their opportunity with Juju. He had 78 catches for 933 yards and three touchdowns. And when it came time to pay him, they let Juju TikTok his way out of here. Go to New England and do all the Tootsie Slide dances that you want to do. Dance the Ice Spice over there. We are happy for you. Hey, you can even do a TikTok here in the White House. Do all the TikToks to your heart content. You know what Juju has done this year with the New England Patriots? At 27, he has 29 catches for 260 yards and one touchdown. I think the Chiefs knew that Juju Smith-Schuster's body was breaking down. This wasn't a forever thing. This was a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. This was an arranged marriage. This was quick. You got exactly what you needed out of it. They got exactly what they needed out of it, and both sides moved on. Juju got paid because you remember, it's now easy to say, oh, nobody wanted Juju. Nobody was willing to commit to Juju long-term. Pittsburgh wouldn't commit to him long-term. Kansas City wouldn't commit to him long-term. Baltimore, a lot of people wanted the one night, but not a lot of people wanted to be in a relationship with Juju Smith-Schuster. He then came to Kansas City and they did a makeover like she's all that. Changed the entire perception around Juju and got him paid Three years, $36 million. That money was never coming from the Chiefs. They was doing their x-rays and CAT scans and saw his knees and wanted absolutely nothing to do with it. Brett Veach gets a lot of credit for that, a whole lot of credit for getting out of the Juju Smith-Schuster business because you know who Juju Smith-Schuster is right now? MVS. They already got this receiver. They got this guy, 29 catches, 260 yards, and one touchdown. They got four Juju Smith-Schusters on this team. They got a stockpile of Juju in the back. They didn't want anything to do with that. That was smart. That was the right thing to do. Now, I wish they would have got Jacoby Myers. I mean, I wish they would have done that. I wish they would have got Adam Thielen. You know what? In hindsight, you guys were right about DeAndre Hopkins. I was here screaming that I thought he was washed. You guys were right about DeAndre Hopkins. But Juju was not the answer to whatever their problems were. He would be part of the
5: problem if he was here in Kansas City. I know we've spent the last five minutes lauding Brett Veach. But let me get a quick, a quick comment about the mistake before we get out of this segment. He did a great job getting out ahead of Juju. He's done a great job multiple times in his career getting out ahead of it. Like Tyron Matthews, not been the same player in New Orleans. He was here. Great job. He did it. Got out ahead of a lot of those players. I will credit him for that but he didn't replace Juju. He didn't even try. Or he tried, that's unfair. He tried, but he didn't get a player to replace Juju. Adding a guy who had a plucky 600-plus yard season with the Giants last year and hoping he can replace Juju Smith-Schuster, a multiple-time 1,000-yard receiver in the National Football League, is not an honest attempt to replace him. So you're right. He got out from broken body Juju at the right time, but he didn't find another one-and-done, wham-bam, thank-you-ma'am type of player. I
3: agree. No, you're right. You're 100% right. I, I, that, that part, that part, it cannot be denied. They didn't replace a lot of what Juju brought to this team, that measure of toughness, that ability to get open. I mean, last year they found a 1,000-yard receiver in free agency. They brought in one free agent wide receiver. It was, it was Richie James. It was Richie James, who has less than 100 yards receiving. So, no, you're 100% right. Someone says it's not Juju, it's the quarterback. Juju's made seven starts this year. Juju is not healthy. He's not healthy at all. And remember, people were telling us that from the very beginning of the season. Remember Albert Breer was saying that? He was saying this early on. I think people knew around the league, and I think the Patriots were willing to roll the dice that they were right and they were wrong on Juju Smith-Schuster's health. Signing him to a long-term deal is one of the worst contracts of the offseason and it was, is a deal that you would 100% be regretting if the Chiefs had signed that deal. Coming up on the other side, I'm going to talk myself into something that I maybe have never talked myself into before. I'll tell you what it is. Keep it right here. Sidra. The
2: Drive. The Drive with Carrington Harrison. Catch Nate Taylor in studio every Friday starting at 4 o'clock. And if you miss any of the conversation, listen on demand with the Odyssey app and 610sports.com.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
4: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my word. And podcasts, whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
2: You're listening to the Drive with C.Dot on 610 Sports Radio.
3: I want to answer this really quickly because a lot of people we were talking about uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, who plays for the Patriots, and that the, the Chiefs dodged a bullet. Honestly, when it comes to him and his health and. His knees are falling apart. I think that's been a bad contract from the very, very beginning. You start to hear some rumblings. And good for Juju. Like, he cashed out at the absolute right time, where if Juju was a free agent this offseason, Juju gets a one-year, $2 million deal. But he played really well in Kansas City. He stayed healthy enough. He cashed out and got paid. A lot of people on the text line are with the belief that Rasheed Rice is the Juju Smith-Schuster replacement. This is where I would disagree just a little bit. Like, I understand it from a yards perspective. Like, Rasheed Rice is going to make up the yardage. As good as I think Rasheed Rice is, I still don't know if – I don't know if he is a guy that you trust on third and eight to run the right route, get open, and make a play. Like, I don't think that's really how Kansas City has used him this season. I think they really like his explosiveness and try to get him out in space and try to get him the football and allow him to make a play and allow him to make a guy miss. That's not really what Juju Smith Schuster was. Like, I think he was a chain mover. Like, go back and watch that second half of the Super Bowl. Juju was as good as a receiver in his kind of tier can be. I thought he ran really precise routes against a really, really good defense and got open, and you knew that you could trust him to be where he was supposed to be. That's not really what I think Rasheed Rice is at this point in his career, but he's obviously got time to be it. The thing that has hurt the Chiefs the most this year is teams have completely taken away deep plays from MVS. Like, if you want to, like, point to one thing, Rob, of why their offense is drastically different this year than it was last year— I don't think it's just the fact that they don't have Juju Smith shoots, because again, I think you've made up that yardage. I think it was last year. There was a threat from MVS to make plays down the field. There was a threat with McCall Hardman in the early part of the season that they were going to be able to make plays down the field. I would say it's two things. Number one, you have a very different Jerick McKinnon than you had last year. Like he's going to have, 400 less receiving yards and seven less touchdowns. So you have taken a big chunk of their offense away. And you just haven't gotten that so far this year from where he is. And the second thing is you're not getting any big and explosive play from MVS like at all, like not at all. Like you got him because he was a guy that could make big plays down the field and could take the top all the defense and the defense really had to respect it. I don't think that's who he's been at all for Kansas City so far. So that's where I think their offense has maybe changed the most.
5: I also kind of reject the notion the Chiefs used a second round pick and replacing Juju. Like they felt that a second round pick could replace 900 ish yards, and he has, but I don't think they went in the draft saying, hey, we're, we're going to replace Juju with a draft pick because they didn't go in the draft thinking they were going to get nothing from Sky Moore, and they have got nothing from Sky Moore. So. I think they needed to add more bodies to the room. Now, if you want to tell me, hey, that's Chris Jones' fault, cool, whatever. I'm I'm fine with that conversation. We just disagree on that. I think you can easily blame Chris Jones for the fault. But the idea that, hey, we lost Juju, so it's time for a second-round pick from SMU, and that's us totally finishing and taking care of the position, is a, just a notion that I reject conceptually. Have you seen Missouri's schedule for next year for the football team? Yeah, you got Georgia's schedule. That's pretty cool.
3: I just don't know if you've seen it or not, but – Missouri can make the college football playoff next year. Like legitimately have a chance to make the college football playoff. They play. These are their not. This is their non-con schedule next year. Murray State, Buffalo, Boston College, and UMass. That's tough. I mean, that's tough. Rob, they play, I would say. They have one difficult SEC game on the road against Alabama. You're losing that game. I'm just – I'm not even going to sit here, and I'm not even going to sell you a dream you're not about calling, them going on the road and beating Alabama. I'm not going to sell you a
5: dream. You're not calling OU a difficult conference game? I'm not saying OU is OU of 1998, but OU is not difficult?
3: Maybe that's not – let me rephrase it then. Let me go back and say it. They have one game in the SEC I don't think they have a chance of winning. They have seven others – that I think they will be the favorite in. They'll be favored on the road against A&M. They'll be favored at home against Auburn. They'll be favored at home coming off a bye against Oklahoma, on the road against South Carolina, on the road against Mississippi State, and also on the road against Arkansas. You know what the goal for Missouri is next year? Can they host a game in the college football playoff? The top eight teams do that? They're currently ranked ninth. If the college football playoff was in effect this year, they would be the nine seed, and they would be going on the road to Oregon. Now, Oregon's very good. Oregon might be one of the six best teams in the country. But you obviously take your chance to just get in the dance and get into the playoff. Missouri is turning. Your quarterback is coming back. They might have the best player in college football on their team next year. Luther Burden can be the best player in college football next year. If they have a good transfer portal season, you can't, you can't tell me why Missouri can't be ranked preseason top 12 and why they can't make the college football playoff next year. Not with that schedule. They will never get an easier schedule in the SEC than the one they have coming up next season. Not at, at any point where their schedule will be more favorable and their talent will be at the level where you can absolutely take advantage and you can go 10-2 or 11-1 and, and have
5: a chance to compete for the national championship. I have two questions for you about Missouri's schedule. And one of them is just maybe a little bit of hateration. The other one's an honest question. Why is Mizzou an SEC team going on the road to take on UMass? When was the last time you saw an SEC team take on a group of five team on the road? That is really, really odd to me. Why are they playing at UMass? Why did they schedule a home-and-home home with UMass? What You don't see teams like even Arkansas doesn't go on the road and take on UAB. Like, what on earth was happening there?
3: I wish I had a good answer for your question. I don't have a good answer for your question. I don't know why Missouri is going on the road and playing UMass. I wish that I could help you. I can't help you there. All I know is going on the road against UMass is going to get you ready to go on the road and play Texas A&M. It's going to get you ready to go on the road and play Alabama. So I'm happy that they're challenging themselves in the non-con and they're going on the road to play UMass. Those
5: those two environments are the same. People do say that Kyle Field is the UMass of Texas. People similar. say it all the time. Very similar. My second question is the hateration. Here you go. Are you telling me that as a lifelong Tiger fan, you don't think there's any chance Did they slip up? They fall on their face and they embarrass themselves.
3: But going into the season, Missouri will be ranked preseason top 15 with a favorable schedule. 12 teams get into the postseason. They got a shot. That's all you want is a shot. That's all you want. There's probably, I would say, maybe seven spots up for grabs. I mean, Alabama is going to be one of the 12 teams, right? Ohio State's going to be one of the 12 teams. Georgia will probably be one of the 12 teams. Like we, we know who some of the teams are going to be.
5: This is honest. This is not a iteration question. Is the committee going to take four? Because I think Texas might be one of those teams again, too. Texas brings a lot back next year. They do. Texas schedules, obviously more difficult than Missouri's because they don't have road challenges like UMass. But I mean, they should. <laughs> they should. That's their fault. But if we schedule think, better, if we think Texas is very good and we think Georgia and Alabama are both in. Does the committee take four of their 12 from one league? Like that's, I'm not saying Mizzou shouldn't go 10-2. and two. Mizzou should be 10-2, and 11-1, and, and should not be part of a are they 12 or are they 13 conversation. That but, Texas
3: schedule is not that bad either. I mean, I, they play on the road against Michigan. I mean, that's not an easy one. But, yeah, but
5: that's a, that, that basically doesn't I mean, but, count. I mean,
3: but, I mean, Texas avoids Alabama and LSU. I mean, they got to play Georgia, but they get Georgia at home. Mm-hmm. And I think they have to go to A&M, which you figure that's rivalry game, weird yeah, stuff. The but year, yeah, they got Oklahoma still so the Cotton Bowl.
5: If they go one and one against Michigan and Georgia, the committee's not going to pummel them for one and one in those games. They didn't this year for one and one in those type of games. Like, if Missouri, Missouri should take care of business and not be in a let's see moment. But if they're in a let's see moment, four SEC teams in a group of eight is going to be interesting. Well, we'll see. I'm excited. When did you guys' bowl game? Who are you guys playing in your bowl game? We got Barry Odom on the 26th. I couldn't be I don't even
3: know the name of your bowl. It's just it's such some, a rinky-dink some podunk bowl. Some I'm over sponsorship those. bowl. I'm over those little podunk bowls that teams like Kansas go to. You know, I weren't you in that. one
5: of these last year? I don't
3: remember what you're talking
5: about. Because if I recall last year, you turned down the illustrious Liberty Bowl to go to the Root Beer Float Bowl down in Tampa Bay. I don't even know who they
3: played last year in there. they played like Wake Forest or something in their bowl game? That was a waste they of time. They were everybody. the
5: last time Sam Hartman played for Wake. That was a waste Remember of time. Remember it forever. Time. That
3: was sick. Uh, we got Thursday Night Football. Keep it right here. It's The Drive.
2: The
5: Drive with Carrington
2: Harrison. And I'm here to tell you. I was ready to risk it off for Dolly Parton. Brought to you by Deep Esqually Moore. Remember, Mike's got this on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. You're listening to The Drive. Now, CDOT's got one extra point.
3: I mean, this Thursday night isn't as bad as last Thursday night's game, but it also is not good. We've got the Chargers, and we've got the Raiders. We've got something called an Easton Stick, and Aiden O'Connell On Amazon Prime. You guys want to know what I will be doing this evening? Not watching that. I'm in a Christmas movie phase. Getting all my Christmas movie watching in over these next 10, 12 days. What's that new action movie that they just uh, released? The the, the one John Woo? Violent Night? What's that called?
5: Yeah, yeah, Violent Night. That's a... David Harborath. I've actually seen that one. You did? Was it good? I mean, it's it's fine. It's it is what it is. You didn't it's really a, sell it to me. It's a violent Christmas movie that it's kind of fun at times, overly violent at times, but it's I mean, I it's not this you're not gonna be like, man, let's replace a Christmas story with violent night. <laughs> I didn't
3: think we were there. No, that's not what I thought. Uh is there any college basketball? There's not even any college basketball on today. Everyone's got finals this time of year. No, nobody tries on Thursday because of the NFL. Just nobody.
5: Didn't Mizzou play last Thursday? Did they? I thought they played someone. Was that Pitt last week? They played Pitt.
3: Yeah, that was two weeks ago. Because oh, then okay. last week was leading to the KU game. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh well. Hey, you know what? If you plan on watching Thursday night football, I hope that you enjoy it. I really hope that. Uh, I hope that it's fun. I hope. Uh, I hope that it's everything that
5: you want it to be. By the way, officially, official, if you're going to watch tonight, Josh Jacobs is inactive. So, Who's their running back then? Aiden O'Connell is going to be handing off to someone else. Napoleon Kaufman? I believe it's Tyrone Wheatley. Mm.
3: What a terrible. the, The Raiders might have the worst residency in Vegas. They really might. They're terrible. They're really, really bad. Rob, who's somebody that would get you to Vegas to see them?
5: uh that's, i mean I, I really regret not seeing seinfeld i would go see seinfeld in vegas
3: like who's somebody that they were like fill in the blank is opening up a vegas residency and you're like man i really gotta go i really want to see this show who's the person
5: for you it's a great question i'm not really the concert guy like i don't mind concerts but i don't like seek them out the way you do uh I mean, outside like the obvious ones, like, man, you know, if Jay-Z had a residency, I would go see Jay-Z because I've never seen Jay-Z before. That would be fun. So that that's probably one. like that vein, Eminem, like the mega people that are too big to have residencies yeah, out there. Sense. I mean, who knows? Adele has one. I sure would think Adele's too big for it, you know? Yeah. But I mean, I think Adele isn't pumping out music the same way she was in 2015. Oh, no, yeah. She's just, uh, you know, what,
3: I'm about to sing these 20 songs and. I'm gonna go live my life.
5: Who's 2015's biggest? Katy Perry, probably the equivalent of Adele right now. Let's calm down. Let's calm down with Katy Perry.
3: You, you know how K- much I love, you Katy love Katy Perry. you. Love Katy Perry. I do. I'm a big Katy Perry person.
5: By the way, Amir Abdullah is playing for the Raiders tonight. So he's still in the league. Go big red. I'm serious. He's still in the league. <laughs> <laughs> he's still in the league. I didn't know he was still in.
3: I know he still was in the NFL. If you're in the fancy playoffs, all oh, hot waiver tip know get he Amir was still- Abdullah. I didn't know he was still in the NFL. That's crazy to me. Amir Abdul. he
5: went to Nebraska, right? He did. But like, actually, I would. there are more people I would see out there because I want to see the sphere. I want to see the sphere bad. I don't want to see U2 because I don't care about yeah, U2. No, with you. But I want to see someone in the sphere.
3: I'm going to be very curious to see what they do once U2 is over in the sphere. Like, what gets you to go inside of that thing? You see that Dana White said that they want to do a UFC. Like, they have a date in 2024 mapped off. They're going to do a USC event inside of it.
5: That could either be very cool or horrible. There's really no in-between.
3: I think it's going to be cool. I think so, too. you got to think it's a really small environment. It doesn't seat that many. Yeah, but you got
5: to remember. All the screens and stuff. It could be crazy. Remember during the pandemic, they put fights on an island on a beach, and that that Mm. was awful.
3: Yeah, good point.
5: Someone said the movie
3: Inside the Sphere is incredible. I've not seen the movie inside the sphere. That wouldn't get me out there,
5: but I do want to see the movie. Yeah, so, I
3: just want to see the... Uh, it's
5: like souped-up
3: IMAX. Yeah. Uh, someone said, can you uh, explain what's inside the sphere? I have no idea. Uh, the sphere, it's basically like just a big LED screen, like in a full 360 motion. So, you know, you can put different stuff on there. It, it looks It looks incredible. Imagine
5: like souped-up, full-immersive
3: IMAX. Yeah, it looks incredible. I mean, I've seen it from the outside, but I ain't never been inside of it yet.
5: I'm planning on it, though. I want to put that golf course that looks in at the sphere. The wind, <laughs> yeah, the one at the wind, yeah, yeah. The, the one Patrick Mahomes played right? there. The 18th the hole wind? is like yeah, the no. sphere is right behind the hole.
3: The one, at the wind. Where do you normally stay when you go out there? Like, what's what's your
5: hotel of choice? I don't, I don't go out enough to have a hotel of choice. I just kind of just go where the vibes take me when I go out there. I. I'm not the Vegas guy the way a lot of people are. I love MGM. That's probably my favorite property.
3: I'm a big MGM. It's right there on the monorail. It's easy to get around. I like, I'm a big, big MGM person. Quentin, you been to Vegas before? Where'd you stay?
5: Uh, the Excalibur. He, he seems
3: like the, an Excalibur. Excalibur guy. He did say the, said the Excalibur. Yeah I, yeah, I could tell. I could tell. He had, He had Excalibur vibes to me. He had he had luck survived, so I could tell. He looked like the type. He fit the description. All right, Rob, you were actually off tomorrow. Uh, I am not off tomorrow. I actually only have one off day in the entire month of December. I uh, I will be well, going
5: to the. Uh, we all have one next week. Well, yeah, so. I mean, like I've only <laughs> taken
3: one vacation day. I will be going to the Cotton Bowl to watch Missouri
5: defeat. Ohio State. Name a player who will play on that game for Ohio State. That'll be a challenge. I don't think I could name one.
3: <laughs> uh, actually, I think Egg Buka is going to play. I think Egg Buka is going to play. I think he's going to play. Yeah, no. I actually think he kind of needs to play just because he didn't have a great year. So he kind of like needs uh you need like a 15 target, 12. You need, you need a place like that. All right, we'll be back again tomorrow. We'll get you ready for Sunday and the trip to New England.